the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're still here. I had a wonderful, wonderful time in Honduras. Um, I've been there seven times now, and I think um, I've seen so much of what there is to see um, that now um, the God moments, being as we, we called it during one of our devotions, being God-sided, you know, are, are things that kind of just, they surprise you now. Surprises surprise you. Um, one of the most amazing ones. We, we were working on a shed. No, a workshop. <laughs> we're teasing the guy that, that actually is going to be working in this place, um, saying, so we're building a shed. He goes, no, it's not a shed, it's a workshop. Because um, he's going to be doing some woodworking with, with the, uh, um, the young people. And our job was to dig trenches in rock-hard ground. I mean, it is just solid. Like, you think you're going to take a problem with that stuff. It's not going to happen. Hard, hard digging. And after you dig this thing out, and some of it you only had to dig like a couple feet, and some of it was like, you know, you're, you're up to your chest, it's that deep. Um, after that, we put all this mortar in there and then piled all these rocks. We're building this, building this foundation. I'll talk about building the foundation. But um, on one of the days we're working, um, one of the Hondurans, uh, he's a holy man. Um, clearly a holy man. Looks up to, at me and says, I see the Holy Spirit in you. I'm not, I'm not expecting that. That was, that was incredible. Um, and so it's that kind of being surprised by where, where God's going to show up that kind of um, struck me on this on this trip. So to, to the point, um, we were building a foundation. Working on building a foundation. Digging far enough down um, and, and laying all this this mortar that you have to make by hand, an incredible amount of concrete and sand, and, and turning this stuff over and over and over and, and hauling it by buckets. Um, and then moving these big, big rocks and, um, I, you know, bear hugging rocks all week is pretty much what we did. That moving concrete around to build a foundation, to build a foundation. So I was thinking about that, about um, foundational principles and, and what is our foundation. We hear Jesus talk today in strange words about blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are the poor. You know, who's he talking about? We might think that he's talking about, like we think of, you know, poor people. And, and, and don't misunderstand that he is not glorifying being destitute. That is not what he's saying. There's nothing holy in not having your needs met. There's nothing holy in suffering. There's nothing holy in being homeless and not having food or health care. There's nothing holy in that. that. That is not blessedness. That is human sin. That is the sinfulness of the world that we live in that some people do without. He's not talking about that kind of being poor. Don't also think that what he's doing is condemning the wealthy. He is not doing that. That would not be God. God loves everyone. God loves everyone. What he's pointing to is a question of, well, what is your foundation? What is your foundation? What is your heart's true desire? And he's not saying, I condemn the wealthy. But he's saying, I lament what wealth can do to people. I lament. I feel bad for people who don't know their first love, who are 
guided by, driven by, drawn to things other than what their heart's true desire is. Um, the Beatles, pretty good, pretty good band. Uh, pretty good. Probably we'd say at least above average. C plus maybe. Okay. Uh, remember George Harrison? Remember the Beatles? Uh, he was reflecting on life. He was reflecting on his life and everything that his career has exposed him to and allowed him to do. He'd been all over the world. He had seen all kinds of things. He had met all kinds of people. He had met the most important people in the world that had all been in his company. He had seen everything. He had done everything. He had received accolades from everywhere. He was incredibly wealthy. Incredibly wealthy. And he's one of those people that, you know, um, some of us really have the opportunity to make a difference in our career or profession. And, and you might think that maybe the Beatles had a little bit of influence on the whole music thing, right? Maybe just a little bit of influence on, on, on music left their mark. And so he, he recognizes all that, and then he asks the question, is that it? And all that he had seen and done and accomplished, all the awards and the recognition, how famous he was. He had fame and fortune and status and, and all this. And his question was a really important one. Is that it? Is that it? And he said, you know, some people would probably say, yeah, that is it. Right? You've, you've reached the top. You win. Right? You've accomplished what, what life is about. Is that it? And he said, no. There, there's there's, there's got to be something else. He's accomplished everything that I think a lot of people pursue. Right? We want, we want fame. We want recognition. We want accomplishments. We want achievement. We, we want wealth. We want, we want all this. We want to travel. We want to see. We, and he did it all. But yet there was something still missing. Something still missing. Is that it? Is this what life is about? But something was missing. And he said, no, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. See, all these people are coming to Jesus from all over the place. Judea, Jerusalem, Haysville, Tyre, Sidon, Las Vegas, all over the place. And I'm sure in that, in that bunch that was coming from everywhere, the multitudes, right, they were rich and poor as we think of them as being rich and poor. All kinds of people. All coming out, and it says that he healed them, and he cured them, everyone. And every one of them was trying to reach out and touch him. Because power was coming out of him. And healing them all. People coming from a long way to get that thing. To get that thing. So I, think, I think George Harrison was searching for he was searching for that thing that those people came looking for, both the rich and the poor. They recognized that it's only through Jesus that he could get that thing that they were really searching for, that thing they were really searching for. St. Augustine put it this way, their hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, meaning God. There is something in us that strives to be connected with our Creator. That is our heart's desire. To be poor, to be poor, 
is to know that that is the thing you desire. To be rich and to have a lamentation for those who are rich is to say that there are some people who have so many other things that they rely upon. As that old country western song used to say, they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay? In all the wrong places. And a lot of us might think about how we have tried to find peace in our lives. We've tried to find that thing that will finally give us a sense of the world is okay and we are at peace. And we've tried to do it in so many different ways. Only to finally, finally, finally come to the point of going, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Is Christ alone? <coughs> Our souls are restless until they find that thing they're searching for. And I think that's what George Harrison was getting at. He had done everything. He had all the wealth and the fame and everything else that you thought might bring somebody a sense of satisfaction and peace in their life, and yet he was still not there. Still not there. Because that one thing that our heart desires is God. Jesus extends that out, saying, the blessed are the poor, those who know that that is the one thing that they need. And they turn to God. And they turn to God. That is the thing that brings peace. The story of a man who was, um, he was elderly. He was close to death. He was living at home with his daughter. His daughter thought, you know, um, dad's been away from church for a while. And, um, you know, the people that, that knew him at church, they're all gone. Um, but he'd probably probably want a visit from, from a priest. Um, although the you know the, the, the clergy won't know him anymore. You know, sometimes that happens, right? People are separated from their faith community. He ended up living with his daughter, and um, and she thought it'd be a good thing to, to reach out to one of the local priests and so called the local the local church and, and told them what was going on, elderly father living in her home and and you know It'd probably do him good to have a priest come and, and visit with him, see how he's doing, and, and talk with him about how, how, how he's doing this close to his death. And so the priest said, sure, you know, we, we do those things. Even if they're not a member of our flock, right? You still need to go make, you go and make those kinds of calls. So um, he showed up at the house, and daughter let him in and said, okay, there's dad's rooms back there. And, and so he went and, and uh, entered the room, and you know, he did the polite knock, and, and, and the guy welcomes him in, and and the priest, you know, sees the guy, he's, he's in his bed, looks, seems like he's doing okay, he's got some pillows kind of propping him up, and, and there's, a, there's a chair next to the bed. And, uh, and the priest kind of sees the chair and goes, oh, you were expecting me. Well, God didn't know the priest was coming. Uh, no, I, I didn't know you were, well, well, come on in, anyway. You know, didn't know you were coming, come on in. And, and yeah, convenient, there's a chair, I'm going to sit down. And, uh, so the priest sat down and they started talking and he said, no, um, well, let me, let me tell you about the chair that's, that's next to the bed. No, it wasn't because I didn't even come. Um, see, you know, I, I was a member of a, of a church for most of my life. Um, and I heard, you know, over, over all these years about praying. And I heard about, you know, how prayer is kind of connecting with God and communication with God and and, and they taught us all these things. There was always like classes going on on some weird stuff called Lexio Divina, how to pray the rosary, and you know, and praying in tongues and all these things. And goes, it just never made sense to me. I never got. Never got. They didn't give up on me. They kept saying, "Hey, you should do this. It'll be meaningful." 
have a relationship with God? Never made sense. Until a friend of mine said, well, you know, you're trying too hard. <laughs> you know, let me simplify it for you. Let me simplify it. So here's what you did. Here's what you did. All right, take yourself a chair. <clears throat> and then take yourself a chair and, and, and put it on the other side. And, and you sit in that chair. And you face this. Now, imagine that Jesus is sitting in this chair. What's he look like, George? George Burns. George Burns, yes! <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Doesn't matter, okay, whatever. Okay, I had a vision of Jesus once. He looked just like I saw him in childhood, right? You know why? So I'd know who he was. If he showed up looking like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I'd say, what are you doing here, Jabbar? <laughs> yeah, whatever he looks like, doesn't matter, right? Imagine him sitting here. This is your Jesus, and you're sitting here. Now talk to him. Just like he would talk to me. Just like you talk to me. Tell him how your day's going. Ask him why the sky is blue. Talk to him. Just talk to him. And listen. Listen. Because maybe he'll say something back. Doesn't have to. So his friend convinced him that this is an okay thing because Jesus promised that he'll always be with us. As weird as it might seem, talk to that chair with the imagination that Jesus is there. Talk to him. So, so I did that. I did that. And you know what? I found out that it works. It's great. I do it like two hours a day now. <clears throat> Talking to an empty chair. Of course, the chair's not empty. As Jesus said, I'll be with you wherever you are. I keep the door closed, though, because I don't know what my daughter might think about that. <laughs> you know, elderly father talking to an empty chair <laughs> might cause her some great distress. So I keep the door closed. He said, since I've been doing that, I found a piece I never knew. Found a piece I never knew. Blessed are the poor. Those who know that there is that one thing they need. Who aren't distracted by those who have everything else to rely upon. Not that those things are bad, but when you rely upon those instead of having that relationship with Christ, that is what Jesus laments. Keep Jesus first. So a couple days later, the phone rings. It's the daughter calling, calling the church again and got the priest on the phone and, and she said, well, daddy died. Sorry for your loss. Had a good conversation with your dad. Um, by the way, do you know, did he, did he die in peace? Said, well, you know, um, it was about 2 o'clock, and, and I, I went to check on him. He seemed to be doing just fine. And I told him, okay, Dad, I'm going to be gone for a little bit. Got, got some errands to run. I'll be back in about an hour. And when I got back, he had passed. That happens. That happens. For some people, they need that kind of private moment for the angels to come to take them. 
said, it's kind of, this is the daughter talking, and it's kind of strange stuff. Actually, it was more than strange, it was really weird. You know, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't fully in his bed. He wasn't fully in his bed. He had kind of like started sliding out of the bed, and his head was resting on the seat of the chair. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed 